Welcome to day 285 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3, The Story of the Prophets. My name is Matt, and I am again here with Adam Brunson as we finish out the week in Ezekiel. We won't finish Ezekiel this week, but we will finish out our week in Ezekiel 22 uh, through the rest of the chapter. And then we have a few psalms for you this weekend before we gather on Sunday. And so we encourage you to... Um, to continue through the Psalms, to gather with us on Sunday as we worship the Lord together. Uh, But before we get to that moment, we will finish up Ezekiel 22. We've um, heard several messages of judgment from Ezekiel as he continues to speak against Jerusalem. The people of Judah um, are are about to experience the coming of Babylon. The sword of the Lord is against them. The the Lord continues to speak against them, saying, hey, in you, these sinful practices are occurring, these detestable practices. In you, you you are an abomination. Man, you are. There's no concern for justice. There's no concern for righteousness. You have become through and through a sinful people. And so we pick up in Ezekiel 22 with, with that continuing theme in mind, though the Lord is continuing to speak through his prophet to, to show the nation just how sinful um, she truly is. And we're going to see a lot of, of poetic images here. One of the other things that we should draw attention to as we read this is those, those great themes that we've seen throughout the Old Testament, that when God saves Israel out of Egypt, he, he you know, commits her to being a people uh, that you know, it's his own people, a holy nation. Uh, this is my people. And he brings them into a land that he gives to them and says, you are to be my people in my land. And, and here we're going to see a people who are unclean, a people who are sinful. And because of that, the land has not been cleansed as well. And, and so we're seeing a defiled people, a defiled land. Those images um, just draw to mind, man, Israel has really run in the opposite direction of where the Lord has intended But before we dive into Ezekiel 22, Adam, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your word does not go out uh, without impact, without uh, in a way that is void. Lord, we uh, ask right now that you would give us uh, willing hearts to hear your truth, minds to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 22, picking up in verse 13. I will surely strike my hands together at the unjust gain you have made and at the blood you have shed in your midst. Will your courage endure or your hands be strong in the day I have deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you through the countries. I will put an end to your uncleanness. When you have been defiled in the eyes of the nations, you will know that I am the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, the people of Israel have become dross to me. All of them are the copper, tin, iron, and lead and left inside a furnace. They are but the dross of silver. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because you have all become dross, I will gather you into Jerusalem. As silver, copper, iron, lead, and tin are gathered into a furnace to be melted with a fiery blast, so will I gather you in my anger and my wrath and put you inside the city and melt you. I will gather you and I will blow on you with my fiery wrath and you will be melted inside her. As silver is melted in a furnace, so you will be melted inside her, and you will know that I, the Lord, have poured out my wrath on you. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or reigned on the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her, princes within her, like a roaring lion, tearing its prey. 
They devour people, take treasures and precious things, and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and clean, and they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like the wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land practice, practice extortion, commit robbery. They oppress the poor and the needy, mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Pretty complete picture of just what's happening in Jerusalem as we've read this passage over the, the past couple days. Man, Israel is sinful through and through, and, and the leadership of Israel is is sinful through and through. You know, the, the priests are not doing what they ought to do. You you get the priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. You know, the prophets are saying whatever they want. Uh, you you get the the sense. I mean, really, you get. We've talked about this some on the podcast, but you have this threefold office in the Old Testament: prophets, priests, and kings. You know, and here you get God calling out those three offices. The princes aren't doing what they ought to do. They're not ruling the land with justice. Instead, they're devouring the people. You know, you get the priests are not mediating appropriately between God and the people, but instead are profaning God's name. And, and, and then you get the prophets saying whatever they want to say, oppressing God's people. Just the depth of, of the sinfulness of Israel. God looks out and he can't even find one righteous person in the city. Mm. Yeah, so as we read this, what are some things that stand out to you? Yeah, uh, really just more of what you're saying there. Um, you know, I think about this, this pinnacle, the indictment against the prophets. It just is, it sounds very stark to me. In verse 28, it says, Her prophets whitewash these deeds, uh, for with them by false visions and lying divinations, they say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken, yeah, what a powerful indictment! And obviously, a lot of it seems like a lot of takeaways for us. If if we need any further admonition to rightly divide the word of truth and handle the scriptures well, and make sure for our own sakes we're understanding God's word rightly, yeah. this this sounds as strong as it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's always a warning for us. I mean, even I think of. Paul's words to Timothy when, you know, Paul is kind of nearing the end of his life. He knows the baton is being passed and he tells Timothy to keep a close watch on both your life and your doctrine, you know, and in doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. You know, and just that connection between Timothy, watch the way that you live because the way that you live is, you know, evidence of what you believe, but make sure you, you keep a close watch on what you believe about God as well. Those things you've been taught because what is at stake is not only your life, but the life of those who listen to you. And, and here you have the, the priests, the prophets, the princes, and those are all leadership positions that should have been for the flourishing of the city that God planted, you know, and 
so goes the city. You know, when these things are flourishing, is the way God intended them. But instead, they're all seeking selfish gain. They're mm-hmm. all seeking to do what they want to do, and and so goes the city, you know, <laughs> if you will. That right. that rather than flourishing in righteousness, where the people, the other nations, look at and say, "Man, this is a a light to the nations." You know, a city on the hill, if you will. Instead, it's a city of darkness. And rather than being a light to the nations, it's actually just plundering other nations. It's not a blessing. Yeah. All those promises we have in the Old Testament aren't being fulfilled. Israel is a nation that is devouring both its own and those around them. And God says, it's time for you to be devoured. Yeah, that's so strong. It ends in such a curious way. I know you've got to be dying to say something about this. <laughs> Uh, verse 30, you know, yeah. when that stark picture is painted, I looked for someone among them who, who would build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, it's good. You know, it's, oh, what an indictment, one, on the, on the city, but, but two, it's just that, you know, the, the wall, the, who would build up the wall, that line of defense, who would who would stand between me and the coming judgment, you know, and plead on behalf of these people who would be evidence that there is some sort of righteousness left in the city. And God says, I looked, I surveyed, I asked who would defend you, and there was no one fit. You know, I found no one. And, and obviously, I mean, that, that quickly leads us to Jesus, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We look at, you know, as God surveys, the world and he looks at who will be the one who represents the people who will be the one who stands the gap who is that line of defense who is the truly righteous one you know so that god does not have to destroy them and jesus comes on the scene and and we're reminded that this is the the heart of the father towards us that this is exactly why jesus came into the world for god sent jesus into the world to be the one who stands that gap who builds up the wall who says you know, I will take the sin of my people upon myself so that God will not have to destroy. You know, so what, what a great image. You get the eyes of the Lord just searching. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall, who would stand in that line, who would stand before me, before the very presence of the Lord in the gap. Very good. I found no one. Reminds me of, uh, of one verse in Second Corinthians where, where Paul I think gives a good picture of someone who can stand in the gap he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That, that perfect one that was echoed forward. And just love to just think back to how we started this week, you know, in, in uh, Ezekiel 21, um, where there was a, again, an indictment against the crown. And uh, you were pointing out, you know, verse 27 says, the crown will not be restored until him to whom it rightfully belongs shall come. Yeah. All, the, all these passages just scream forward to the one. Yeah, the one. Yeah, who who does the crown belong to? Who is the one that can stand the gap? Yeah, we get it in Jesus. He is the one to whom the crown belongs. He is the one who stands the gap. And he is the one who continues to mediate, you know, between us and God. And so we are grateful that we have a better mediator. You know, that's Paul would remind us of that in his letter to Timothy. The author of Hebrews would remind us that we have a better mediator than one who now sits at the right hand of the father, you know, who is interceding for us. And so we have a, we have a great hope, a hope that, you know, these, the, 
people of Ezekiel's day only could begin to to imagine, you know, of what mm. truly would come in Jesus. But at this point, the nation is still plugging their ears. They're still, rather than hearing the words of Ezekiel, they're choosing to hear the words of the false prophets. Mm-hmm. But we have a better hope held out for us. Uh, let's let's thank God for that hope, Father. We thank you for the mediator. Christ Jesus, the one who at this very moment makes it possible for us to come to you, to enter into your presence, to draw near, to to speak uh, to you and know that we are heard. And so, uh, Jesus, we thank you for your coming. We thank you for the cross where you, who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Father, help us to live into that truth today, to be reminded of your grace, your goodness, your kindness towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.